It's the most all-star studded challenge ever. And this time, it's every competitor for themselves. Best challenge ever! The Challenge All-Stars. New season now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. Welcome back. Serie A returns this weekend. Here's a look at the opening weekend fixtures. On Saturday, we have newly promoted Frosinone taking on the Scudetto winners, Napoli, at 12.30 p.m. Eastern. Also, Inter Milan hosting Monza on Sunday. Roma, Salernitana, Lecce taking on Lazio, Udinese taking on Juventus. And then on Monday, it will be Bologna hosting AC Milan. You can watch all of these matches on Paramount+. Plus. Well, let's, uh, let's chat on some of these uh, Milan clubs, starting with Inter Milan. Let's look at some of their notes from last season, where they finished, what they won, because I think you could argue it was a pretty successful season for Inter Milan. They finished third in Serie A, but they win two trophies and they also make it to a Champions League final, which is no joke. Christine Cupo, would you say that the 22-23 season was a successful one? I would say yes. I think that they would probably say no. Obviously, that nobody wants to lose when they're going for Champions League final and you want to win the Scudetto. It happens. I think that they have had the depth and just the right strategy for a couple of seasons now, for sure. I think that they're working out a few bugs that have been in the works for a while. They have let go of a few club talismans, um, especially this transfer window, which you know impacts, I feel like, especially Serie A clubs a little bit more than some of the others just culturally. But I think that they're going to be formidable again this season. I think the only thing that they really have to do right now is find a replacement for Skriniar, and, and I think they'll be pretty okay. They were kind of, they, it was an interesting one for me for Inter last year because in Serie A, they were inconsistent, but then they did really well in, in tournament play. How do you kind of bridge that gap? Why do, you, why do you think there was a disparity between the way they played in league play and then the way they would play in like a, a Champions League or Coppa Italia? To their credit, they ended up making top four in Serie A, so... Uh, Serie A is highly competitive as a league, so it's not surprising that they would have had a very kind of spotty season, mm -hmm. especially given a lot of the injuries that they picked up and when they did yeah. for that squad. But I think that they kind of righted the ship, especially it, when you're trying to do that. To, right. to make top four. It's, I, I think there's... there's uh, Credit, you got to give credit where credit's due because they did end up making top four and there was this big question mark over, it was probably Napoli-Lazio and then there were two spots up for grabs for the entire season and they came up clutch when they needed to come up clutch. Um, and in Champions League, it's a big club with history in the Champions League that you take it round by round. You, be, you get motivated and more motivated. They grinded out some results and they ended up beating Milan getting into the Champions League final. I think mm -hmm. that's just more it's not the perfect representation of what their season was because you see them get to the Champions League final and they say, wow, they cruised. No, they, they had ups and downs throughout the entire and, season. And they were, they were right to get the right selections. The, mm -hmm. the, the draw really helped them get yeah, to the definitely. final as well. Uh, but the, I think when you look at their midfield, 
it's it's so solid with Chadanalu and mm -hmm. and Barella uh, who really took a step forward last season. So and then Demarco and and Dumfries they were super consistent as wingbacks and Latoro Martinez is, is is just a goal scorer. I mean, give him that opportunity. I think last season he really showed his overall quality as a striker, well-rounded, not relying on one thing in particular. Right. He could check, he could he could make the running behind. And then, like you said, Mkhitaryan also being able to be that link up, making late runs into the box. Him and Barilla, the combination of them playing underneath Lautaro Martinez and sometimes Jekko or Lukaku, it was very effective. And so when you look at the nucleus of this team, they're still going to be competitive. Mm. You, you I said, think it's also, Chalanolu had an exemplary season. He really stepped up when they really needed him to. And so yeah. I feel like he had a chunk of season where he was overperforming just based on what he's normally expected to do. And I think that that kind of helped out a lot. Barella, I love him. I think he's just a phenomenal player. Um, you can't really say anything to... I'm surprised uh, no one bought him. Right. Yeah. yeah. I, I think they'd be a lot less inclined to let him go so easily. I feel like you can't have um, the amount of, especially with the Jekko gone, and you just, too many moving parts, I feel like. Too many at once, either in or out, I feel like you start to get a little bit dicey because you don't know how you're putting things back together. But I also like Nzagi. Like, I think he does a really good job of just, like, managing their... Uh, players. You guys touched on the forwards. They lost Lukaku, they lost Edin Dzeko, mm. and they've had Turan. a pretty good transfer window. Not only did they bring Turan, Jenny mentioned Arnautovic, mm -hmm. they still have Tuku Correa. Well, Arnautovic was a boomerang. Yeah, it's, it's, granted, very different. I think that they went for price tag on that and familiarity. I depth. think that's good. Yes. Right. It's a, it's a right. depth so, so, so look, when you yeah. have Lautaro Martinez playing, so far in Lautaro Martinez's career, it feels like you need another player there. Or Lautaro to work off of somebody else because he's not yet a striker that works in a one-striker system, right? When he's just a nine. So you have options because Marcos Turam gives you so much as a forward. He can play off of Lautaro. And then you have a nine in maybe Arnautovic. And then you have Tuku Correa that can provide. I don't think it. even Arnautovic is a, a real nine either. Okay, but you have options but you to have, play with, yeah. with Lautaro, which is great when you lose... A, a big goal scorer like Edin Dzeko, who had a great season yeah. last season at his age, especially when Lukaku had a slump. Mm. And, and Lukaku's Lukaku. He gives you goals. Um, and he formed a, an incredible partnership with Lautaro Martinez. Lula. Title contenders? Title contenders? <laughs> I think we'll see them yeah. back in the top four again, yeah. Okay. Uh, let's move it along to AC Milan. Yesterday, we talked a lot about the Americans, the influx of Americans on this AC Milan team and Christian Pulisic and Yunus Musa. Uh, but there's a lot of star power on this AC Milan team when you think about guys like Rafael Leao and Olivier Giroud. So, Christine, there's, a, there's probably going to be a huge contingency of new AC Milan fans, I would expect, in the United States because suddenly there are two young Americans playing. But what else? What else should excite these new fans about AC Milan? Oh, they're they're actually a really impressive squad all in. And I feel like off-field, too, they're doing all the right things. I think there was a little bit of trepidation on my part and probably others, given that this season and sort of Mercado was interrupted, I'd say, with like the departure of a Tonali. Um, we had uh, <laughs> some club legends depart. But I think that... Um, Pioli seems to be tinkering is something that I, I saw out in L.A. And so pivoting to more of a 4-3-3 um, 
the front line of, say, like a Leao, Giroud, mm -hmm. Pulisic, which I had said he'd be playing out on the right, and everybody was like, mm, he's going to be in the center. I'm like, okay, well, here we are. I was I, right. I, I agree with you. I he's he's going to be on the right wing. Yeah. Brahim, Even with Chukwese? Yeah. Yeah. Where's Chukwese going to play? Bench? Well, this, I is, think this is the thing with the Milan team. It's depth, and you want competition. So Fair. whoever's playing, whoever's in form, if there's an injury, you need to have players. Brahim Diaz, when he, when he leaves, you need to have someone fulfill that role. The midfield trio, and Ben Asser is going to come back into the team at some point this mm -hmm. season, but you added Yunus Musa, obviously, who's going to be there, and Radio Krunic is going to be there. So you, you figure out, and you got Loftus-Cheeks, who's most as in my mind, you going to play. Him, you bring him to play. So Yeah. I mean, they also were playing him a little bit behind the striker, which is like more of a Kessier, like tip of the hat for right. that, which is great because they never had a one-to-one -one replacement for somebody like him. But all in, like they made a lot, a lot, a lot of moves this Mercado. And I think that it was, it was more than overdue because they had overperformed the season that they won the Scudetto. They hadn't really reinvigorated in depth at all. And then all of a sudden now you have, you know, what, uh, Sportiello, Romero, Loftus-Cheek, Polisic, Okafor, Chukwesi, Reinders, Musa. These are all new. And they're excellent signings in so my opinion. When, when you mentioned that they didn't really renovate after that Scudetto mm -hmm. season where you said that they were overperformed. Mm -hmm. That's when Pioli started tinkering and he, he abandoned the 4-2-3-1 that was so successful for him at the beginning of the season and when it wasn't working out, they, they weren't playing well at all. He goes back to the 4-2-3-1 and right around February is when they start picking up again mm -hmm. and that's when Champions League success comes in and that's when Milan had a new look. But now that he has a bunch of new players, an influx of, of, of talent, of options, he can start tinkering again. Well, remember that right side was always kind of uh, touch and go with Junior Macias. Uh, and Salamakers, who absolutely did a lot of heavy lifting when they needed them to, but just the inconsistency was killing them. So I think that I, Milan have made all the right moves. It's, it's actually pretty impressive. I think um, Musa and Pulisic will thrive there. So we'll, we'll see what happens. But I think that having Okafor there with Pulisic will kind of ignite a little bit of positive competition I, for that right side. I think the only question mark for me is the center back position. Mm. Fakayo Tomori, who, who partners with him? Who is going to be the long-term part, center-back partner? So this Milan team, they have so many options, and I, I love the tactical flexibility because you don't have to stick with one formation when you have the amount of players that they have, attacking players. But, yeah, this... This yeah. Mike Magnon in, in, maybe, in maybe between that, the pipes, that's, also that's maybe, a big, big advantage um, for Milan. With the striker, because if you're relying on Ali and uh, Colombo's being shopped right now. I think Chukwesi maybe, could play there as well. Yeah, I think maybe, well, is he more like a, like a false nine? But mm -hmm. yeah, reasonable options. Oh, it's gonna be fun. Mm -hmm. Syria is unpredictable, and we <laughs> love that about it. Um, all right, guys, we're gonna take a break. Jenny Chu will be back with some more headlines when we return on the other side. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to growing your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, 
invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account. Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash CBS Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. Welcome back. Here's a look at your Thursday footy fix. We have a couple of Europa Conference League qualifiers to look forward to. Punic versus Bodo Glimt at 12 p.m. Eastern on Paramount+. Plus. We also have Hearts versus Rosenborg at 2.45 p.m. Eastern, also on Paramount+. Plus. And then on the women's side, the Tigres taking on Toluca at 9 p.m. on VIX. And Chivas versus Monterrey at 11.10 p.m. Right now, we send it over to Jenny Chu with some more headlines. Jenny. Susanna, I have some friends on both Chivas and Monterrey on that women's side, Ooh. but that matches at 1110. Uh, I, and guess so, what? Well past our bedtime. You're going to watch it, right? No, I'm Anything not Nico Cantor. I'm not Nico Cantor. I, I like to sleep. I when believe I'm going to give you a wake-up call at <laughs> no, 11 p.m. No, please don't. We start in Saudi Arabia where more details are emerging on Neymar's deal to the Saudi Pro League. The Brazilian star moved to Al-Hilal following a $99 million transfer from PSG and then signed a two-year $320 million contract. Reports have indicated it's not just the money for Neymar, who will also receive a private jet, eight luxury cars, and a 25-bedroom mansion that includes three saunas and an Olympic-sized pool. Only? Only. <laughs> Neymar spoke yesterday about the move and Ronaldo's impact on his decision. Cristiano Ronaldo, I think, was the pioneer in all this. And everyone started calling him crazy, and this and that. And today you're seeing that the league is growing over in Italy, reigning Coppa Italia champions Inter have announced the signing of Austrian international Marco Arnautovic on a loan deal with an obligation to buy from Bologna. The 34-year-old forward returns back to Inter Milan, where he had a brief loan spell in 2010, appearing in three matches. Inter Milan get their new striker after failing to reach deals with Faler and Balogun and Gianluca Scamacca, and also deciding to not pursue Romelu Lukaku after finding out the striker held talks with rivals Juventus. Could one of La Liga's top performers also be heading to MLS? Atletico Madrid forward Antoine Griezmann spoke to the media ahead of this weekend's game and praised Lionel Messi's move to MLS and opened up about his own potential move to MLS in the future. Y luego veremos, pero, pero sí que para mí sigue siendo un objetivo terminar en la, en la MLS. Hmm. You heard it there first. UEFA President Alexander Seferin met with Greece's Prime Minister yesterday and promised to do more to deal with organized violence in football in the wake of a deadly attack led by Croatian fans in Athens. The meeting comes over a week after a 29-year-old AEK fan was stabbed and killed last week by a group of supporters from Dinamo Zagreb. More than 100 people have been detained on charges of murder and of being members of a criminal gang. Over in U.S. news, reports have indicated that Vladko Andonovsky has resigned from the U.S. women's national team head coaching role. Vladko took on the role in October of 2019. He coached the team to a bronze medal at the 2020 Olympics in Tokyo and a round of 16 exit at this year's World Cup, the earliest exit for the U.S. women's national team in World Cup history. Vladko will leave the coaching role with just three wins in 10 matches at major tournaments. An official announcement is expected today. Christine? We spoke on Attacking Third about potential candidates for the U.S. women's national team job if he were to be replaced. What's the short list there? 
I'd say, obviously, we all have Serena Weigman at the top of our lists. Uh, we've got Emma Hayes in that list as well. Uh, Tony Gustafson. I, I think we had a pretty exhaustive list, actually, of pretty viable candidates. That's not to say that we could potentially get them. I don't know what it would take to pry some of them from their respective clubs, but mm. I think there is a good talent pool that we can certainly try to uh, influence. Yeah, absolutely. Um, should we bring in our good friend Jordan Angeli? And Absolutely. chat with her and get her takes. Oh, there she is, Let's Jordan. Go. It was just yesterday you were sitting sitting at this desk, and now I'm looking at you on a screen. What's going on? This is doesn't feel right. It, it doesn't feel right. But now that I know we can get jets and contracts and $25 million <laughs> mansions, like I was in shock about that contract that we were just talking about with Neymar. So I'm still kind of recovering over that. No kidding. Um, yeah, I know. Exactly. We all have, uh, we'll have to talk to our agents, you know, get on that, please. Um, okay. Let's chat about this news about Vlatko Andonovsky announcing his resignation. First of all, I just want to get your initial reaction to this. Was this something that you were anticipating? I think everybody anticipated it after what happened at this year's World Cup. It just wasn't good enough for the United States. And I would say it wasn't good enough on a lot of levels. And unfortunately, if you're the head coach of that team and you're making the decisions as to how your team is going to set up, the decisions to not make substitutions, you know, that falls on you. And you take a lot of the, you bear a lot of the responsibility. So we, we knew this was coming, whether it was them deciding to switch terminate his contract, but it says he's going to resign. So, you know, I, I think Flacco is one of the best coaches in NWSL. He will always be that he has multiple NWSL championships. He was the leading candidate when it, when the occupancy of this job happened a few years ago. So he was leading the charge there, but it also proves to me how difficult it can be to go from a club situation to a national team situation. It's a totally different ball game when you talk about player management, how to create tactics in order to play against some of the best of the best in the world. So I think that really poses an interesting question when you're thinking about what's going to be next for this U.S. women's national team and who could potentially lead the charge. But I'm looking at the whole organization because I feel like it's not good enough from the under 17 level, the under 20 level. We're seeing the team succeed at this World Cup, have success at those levels. So how do we implement a system that is going to, again, create the United States as the top tier in women's soccer internationally? Uh, Jordan, we had Christine throw out a few names uh, that mm -hmm. she thinks are viable options to replace Vlatko. But what are some of the names that come to mind uh, for you? Yeah, those are all names that I think everybody's looking at Serena Wiegmann and what she's done back to back with not just the Netherlands, but now with um, England doing the same thing, winning the Euros and now getting to the final She's going to be a hard one to try to pick away if, if they end up winning the final for the World Cup on Sunday. I, I think Tony Gustafsson is a really good candidate because of what he did with the United States for a number of years as an assistant. And the role that he played behind the scenes in really implementing a lot with this U.S. team under head coach Jill Ellis, she gave him a really good role. But Tony Gustafson, what they've built in Australia, I, again, I don't think it's going to be easy to try to get him away from what is going on down under. This was a, a magical run by him and the squad, but I like the tactics that he implemented. I think on a club coaching standpoint, you know, I just said it's, it's a hard move. 
I do think Emma Hayes might be the leading candidate from a club coach standpoint. She's been at Chelsea now for 10 years, some, and they've had mad success. I think the only thing they have not won is that Champions League title, which she would love to win. But I think Emma Hayes has, she, she talks about being English, but really being um, formed in the United States. Like her, her thought process of like how she likes to live her life is very American. So I, I think she gives this good combination of football history and American culture that might fit well with the, the U.S. team. She's a winner. And I, I think that that's what this team needs, a good player manager I think she would be the top club candidate, but again, I'm going to go to a couple of names that are probably going to be off the rails here. I think Brandy Chastain needs to get in the mix some way. And then Tiffany Roberts Sahedek. Tiffany Roberts Sahedek was a 99er with Brandy Chastain. These two coaches, Brandy's coaching um, at various levels in California. Tiffany Sahedek has been with UCF um, Central Florida for a number of years, 10 years, but also an assistant under Vladko uh, for a number of years. So I, I think, can we get these coaches with such winning knowledge in U.S. soccer history, in the system somehow? Can they be coaching these youth teams? Can they be in implementing that winning style, but also their knowledge of the game, the tactics. I know Brandy is such a, a, a tactic nerd. I talk to her all the time. She has so many ideas of how to implement. They're not my next head coach of the U.S. Women's National Team, but these are the types of things we want to do as U.S. soccer. We talk about it all the time. Bring players through our system and then give them an opportunity to coach. So let's give them an opportunity to coach. Can we get our 17s, our 20s winning again? Because that is only going to help us succeed at the top level as well. Jordan, I think we're at an impasse right now, and we've talked about this a bit, where we need someone in this role that is capable of now sort of creating a new identity, probably for generations subsequent to this for this U.S. women's side. Who do you think is the most poised, in your opinion, and up to task to fulfill that? That's a good question, Christine, because it, it's hard to know the personalities of the head coach and how it's going to mesh with this very... Um, the U.S. Women's National Team is a strong team, right? They they have an identity within themselves and within the public persona that is uh, can be a difficult thing to manage. And it takes a special person to be able to balance those things and find how to get the best out of them on the pitch while also allowing them to be who they are in the you know 2023. So I think I do feel like. The, those candidates, the big two that I named um, from national teams that are coaching right now would be great. I think Emma Hayes would be great. I know Laura Harvey has been mentioned a lot and would be interested in this job. I also just want to go back to Laura Harvey was in the youth system and wasn't successful at winning championships in the youth system. Laura Harvey is a great coach. But again, it speaks to my point that this is a difficult task to create this winning culture within kind of a systemic, it has not been working for a, a little while now when you talk about championships for U.S. soccer. I, I think you identify this lack of a common thread through the programs that I think systemically needs to be addressed. So thank yeah. you, Jordan. Jordan, great stuff as always. Um, I'm sure we'll Thanks, see you back in the studio very soon. Appreciate your time this morning. Thanks, everybody.
All right, guys, uh, we are going to take another break, but we are going to talk some Europa and Conference League qualifiers when we return. Don't go anywhere. The baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. Welcome back. Europa League qualifiers and Conference League qualifiers happening today. Here's a look at some of the fixtures. Genk taking on Olympiakos at 2 p.m. Eastern. We have Bakte Borisov against Sheriff at 2 p.m. as well. And then move it over to some Conference League fixtures. Besiktas taking on FK Nefci. And we also have Maribor taking on Fenerbahce. Nico. Who's Club yeah. Bruges playing? <laughs> Do you, I, I casually <laughs> avoided that one. I bet Nico can say it, though. Yeah, go ahead. Akureyiri. Akureyiri. <laughs> so close. It's so perfect, close. Yeah. I almost had it. I, when I prep for Golazo show, I kid you not, I go down rabbit holes of very remote language Phonetics. How do you find it? Do you look at videos? Um, like so, obviously, you look at broadcasts from the league, but then there's like, like Garabag, for example. It's not Karabag. I looked up in the, how to pronounce Garabag <laughs> specifically. Like o Olympiakos from Greece. In Greece, it's it's pronounced Olympiakos. Olympiakos. Almost like with a slight B. It's not a P. It's a B. Olympiakos. Um, how do they pronounce it in Aramaic? No, no. no. <laughs> Good lord. Uh, <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot. I, I respect the heck out of uh, your ability to Thank you. handle handle these names. Um, but Fenerbahce is a team that you're excited to to watch. They've made some moves this this off season. Yeah, what's, definitely. What's the have. outlook? So not only is their focus in Europe right now, they have a European game um, in in qualifying for for Conference League, I believe. Um, but they have strengthened their squad to the point that it's almost an obligation for them to win Turkish League because they've seen the likes of Galatasaray, for example, and Besiktas as well. Um, they have strengthened their squad to win the Turkish League for the first time since 2014. It's been a long time since Fenerbahce has won, and you go back to the days of likes of Roberto Carlos, of Diego Lugano, of Alex de Souza, They've always had a lot of big-name players come to Fenerbahce, and they thought, we need to break the market this time around to win the Turkish Super League again. They're, they have a Turkish manager, which is pretty big. No foreign manager has ever won the Turkish League. Jorge Jesus, who won Copa Libertadores with Flamengo, he's gone now. But now you have not only the likes of Edin Dzeko uh, in the lineup, you've got Dusan Tadic as well, Ryan Kent, and you're moving wow. on from the Ener Valencia era. Ener Valencia was a prolific goal scorer at Fenerbahce last season, scoring a ridiculous amount of goals, and um, you lose Diego Rossi as well, um, and, and also Arda Güler, who has been the youth superstar that has gone on to Real Madrid. You bring in Cengiz Ünder from Marseille, who fulfills your Turkish quota for the Turkish League. They paid a lot of money for him, and it's not that type of price tag for a Turkish player. You don't usually see it, but the fact that he was in Europe playing really well at Marseille, 
formerly at Roma as well. You bring them on to be that difference maker. So they, they've they've strengthened significantly since last season. Wow. All right. Well, they are up three-one uh, on aggregate against Maribar, that game at 2.15 p.m. today. Um, we are going to take a break. It's, apparently, it's Bring Charlie's Friends to Work Day today. <laughs> hey. We are catching up with his former teammate, Teal Bunbury of Nashville SC, on the other side. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back. Well, after a 2-0 win over Monterrey, Nashville SC have punched their ticket to the League's Cup final. They will host Lionel Messi and Inter Miami this Saturday at 9 p.m. Eastern on Apple TV+. And right now, we are absolutely thrilled to welcome in a member of that Nashville team, Teal Bunbury. Teal, so good to see you, man. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us this morning. So great to see you guys. Thanks for having me. It's been a minute. So we're, we're laughing because we had, we had Omar Gonzalez on, who knows Charlie very well. And you and Charlie are former teammates, best buds. And uh, we, just, we, love to hear, we love to hear some embarrassing Charlie stories. So if you can just, you know, start us off on, a, on the right note, Teal, we'd, we'd be grateful. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's, there's so many stories. I got one about <laughs> the that he remembers. Um, but I'll keep that one between us. But I think the most embarrassing is probably that he's still doing the stanky leg. <laughs> yes. I mean, it is. It's like, it's a little dated, man, right? Some new, please. <laughs> Some new. One time, I mean, Daniel Sturridge was trying was to do say, it, like, and he couldn't even do it right. My man was doing like a Dougie stanky leg. But um, hey. You know, I, I think it's one of those generational songs. Just you got to just always bust you it out. You know what? You, do, you own it and you do it well, Chuck. I'll, I'll give you that much. All right, Teal. Let's let's chat um, a little League's Cup because Na this Nashville team has been so much fun to watch. What a run you guys have been on! I mean, you've taken down some really, really incredible teams in FC Cincinnati and Club America. You whoop Minnesota. You beat Monterey. This team is buzzing. What's what's the vibe like inside this locker room right now? Yeah, I mean, the vibes are definitely high. We're trying to, you know, temper it down a little bit. There's so much excitement right now around this club, uh, around the city. Um, you know, it's been a fun, a fun tournament for all of us. And the journey to get to this League's Cup final now, you know, there's been some, you know, bumps in the road in the group stage play, playing against Toluca. But I think we've kind of righted that ship. And uh, now we get to play against Miami here at Jodas Park. I think it's it's going to be a lot of fun. I know the fans are really excited about it, and us players are too. I mean, these opportunities don't come around very often where you're playing for a trophy, playing in a final. Uh, so we're definitely going to have to make the most of it. Teal, man, it's contagious. Not only the way that you guys play, the fans thrive off of it. There's something special going on. On the other side, you've got this Inter-Miami team that every time they've come up against decent MLS opposition, we said Orlando, oh, Orlando's going to be a test. They, they kind of blew them out of the water. And then, for example, Philly, we said, oh, Philly, this is going to be the one that they're, they're going to take a game to them. And they tore Philly apart in, in 45 minutes. At Philly. At Philly. <laughs> you guys, you guys, it feels like there's something different going on here. It's not like the rest of Inter-Miami's opposition. You guys got to be that team to bring it to them. I hope so. I mean, that's that's going to be our game plan. Obviously, they got talented players and they got arguably the greatest player of all time that changes the dynamic of that team. And you've been able to see it game after game. 
But, you know, we're going to go over film today, uh, you know, and tomorrow to try to come up with a good game plan and how to limit them. Um, but, you know, we're playing at home, um, and I think that we're going to have to just be prepared and, you know, not sit back. I think it's a team that we, you know, we can get at still. Um, but we're going to have to pick and choose those moments properly. Teal, I'll, I'll say, you know, seeing you guys play Philadelphia and you lose 2-0 July 12th, uh, you would say, oh, man, coming into this, you guys are, are big underdogs. But Philly went away from what they do really well, playing two up top, high press, mm -hmm. because of Messi, because of Busquets. Now Joseph Martinez is coming back alive. We're starting to see Joseph Martinez the way he was playing at Atlanta and at his best. Uh, so now looking at this matchup, what do you guys have to make sure you do to not give too much respect to, to Lionel Messi and Busquets? Yeah, that, that, that's it, um, is trying to make sure that we're not just sitting back too much. Because if we let them build momentum, we let them knock the ball around too much. If our lines aren't tight, you know, from the defense to the forwards, you know, if we're closing off those passing lanes, that's going to be really key and important for us. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's going to be there's going to be times where Messi's going to get on the ball and we're not going to be able to do much. There's going to be times where Busquets gets on the ball and he makes some unbelievable passes. But the more we can limit that um, and all all of us be locked in um, and then pick our moments to go on a counterattack or build out of the back, uh, those chances are going to be there. But I think we can't focus too much on them because then that takes away from how we want to play. Uh, and I think that's what other teams might be doing is focusing a little bit on Miami too much and not focus on what they can do and how they can attack them. Teal, um, I'm still upset about something that I saw in the, the Monterey game, and that was the, uh, the Hani Mukhtar Galazzo that was not allowed. It just, it was painful that that goal hmm. didn't count. Clear as day. <laughs> I want to know what the reaction was from the guys, and also if Alex Muil has apologized profusely for, for getting in the way of what would probably be the goal of the year. <laughs> um, I mean, it was obviously we were bummed out, but we knew some things might, you know, might not go our way. So we were ready to kind of continue on with the game. But no, Alex didn't have to apologize. I mean, <laughs> I, I think that, play, you know, I don't think that was the best call uh, made, you know, and uh, I think a lot of people feel the same way I do. So that, that's part of it. Sometimes the calls don't go your way. Definitely frustrating in the moment, but we had to get over it quick. I know you but, wanted uh, that assist. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Uh, on to the final we go still, which is nice. Till you know what it felt like when you hit when you hit the, the heel flick and it falls to Mukhtar. Mukhtar drains that curler. It felt like the Dwayne Wade alley oop to LeBron, the one yeah. that he's not looking in Milwaukee yeah. that he just <laughs> like, hands out. Yeah. That's what it felt like. What what is it what has it been like for you as a father? to see your, your, your kids come to watch you play and, you know, giving you that motivation. What, what has that been like for you? Because haven't, we haven't really talked about it in, in, that, in that way. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's the best. Obviously, first and foremost, my faith in Christ. You know, I always want to glorify him when I'm playing. Um, but next, it comes my family, uh, my girls and my little, my little son now, too. But just seeing their excitement when they're at the games, when I'm walking out and they're waving at me, um, how attentive they are to the game, even though they're so young. 
Um, and even if daddy has a good game, a bad game, we win or lose, they're always just so excited to be there. So that really puts a lot of things in perspective for me um, to make sure that, you know, my highs aren't too high and my lows aren't too low. Um, but it's definitely such a joy and a motivating factor to be out there knowing that I'm trying to, you know, not impress them, but, you know, be a motivating factor, bring them some joy. Um, so every game, every training session, I'm always trying to push myself a little bit harder. Love it. Oh, Teal, uh, so great to catch up with you. Thanks so much for taking the time. Good luck on Saturday and, and give our love to Katie and the kiddos. Yeah, I love Thank the three stripes so on the side of the head still. I love, I love that. <laughs> hey, come on, switch that dance up one time. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, we're going to right. take a break. Uh, when we come back, Jenny Chu will be here with some more headlines. Stick around. <laughs> Welcome back into Morning Footy. I'm Jenny Chu. Here are the latest headlines. Over in U.S. news reports have indicated that Vladko Andonovsky has resigned from the U.S. women's national team head coaching role. Vladko took on that role in October of 2019. He coached the team to a bronze medal at the 2020 Olympics in Tokyo and a round of 16 exit at this year's World Cup. The earliest exit for the U.S. women's national team in World Cup history. Vladka will leave the coaching role with just three wins recorded in 10 combined matches at major tournaments. An official announcement is expected today. In Premier League news, Michael Olise, Olise has signed a new four-year extension with Crystal Palace, revealed by Palace chairman Steve Parrish on Instagram. The extension comes right after Chelsea triggered the 21-year-old's $45 million release clause two days ago. Olise recorded 11 assists last Premier League season, with Palace only three players in the league had more than him. Could one of La Liga's top performers also be heading to MLS? Atletico Madrid's forward Anton Griezmann spoke to media yesterday uh, on this weekend's game and praised Lionel Messi's move to MLS and opened up about his own potential move to MLS in the future. Primero me gustaría aquí y seguir haciendo historia, ganar ganar títulos aquí en el en el Atleti y luego veremos, pero pero sí que para mí sigue siendo un objetivo terminar en la en la MLS. We know another player who made that move from La Liga to MLS, right? It's our very own Thierry Henry's birthday today. Henry is a 1998 World Cup winner with France, a two-time Premier League champion with Arsenal, and a Champions League winner with Barcelona. But we here know him best as one of our favorite pundits on CBS Sports Champions League coverage. Charlie, I know that's your guy. You guys are FaceTiming all the time. Do you have a birthday message for him? And it has to be in French. Yes. Oh. Uh, Titi. Uh, bonjour. Uh, <laughs> grand, uh, joy bon anniversary. Uh, bon anniversary. Joyeux uh, anniversaire. Joyeux oui, anniversaire. <laughs> uh, merci beaucoup pour, pour, pour tout. Pour le, le foot. Is... Enfin. Oui, oui. Is, uh, <laughs> magique, magique. Uh, mais mais, mais un, un c'est bon. C'est très, très bon. C'est bon. Très bon. Oui. That was pretty good, Charlie. Bravo. Merci beaucoup. Okay. Did you say English? He gets so solemn when he's speaking French. J'ai joué. It was like he was channeling Titi. Like, he kind of, like, you were. J'ai joué pour FC Sochaux. Maintenant, je suis sad. Je suis, je suis. Triste? You're sad? No. Hungry. Oh, oh fine. 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 Yeah. Uh, okay, so let's say let's say you're taking TT. You're taking yes. TT out for his birthday. Yes. 
What does that look like? What does that night look like? Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's pretty good. Uh, New York City mm -hmm. uh, restaurant is Mamo. That's, that's the Ooh. place. Truffle pasta. And they also have truffle pizza, but that's, that's the jam. That's your jam? Yeah. Right there? That's TT's jam? That's TT's jam. That's, and Orders it every once, time? Once you are have you it, wine? it's your jam. What are we doing? Yeah, wine. Um, wine. He's a amaretto sour guy. What? Yeah. Interesting. That, that was like the first thing, the first alcohol beverage <laughs> I tried because it's so cloyingly sweet, you know? It's like that, like, oh, like, make your pucker. It's so yeah. sweet. TT. Yeah. Happy birthday, TT. Dang. More life. Happy birthday, Happy birthday. It's anniversary. He, he doesn't like it that I call him a goal scorer. He likes being called the assist giver. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now we know. Just right. you. Uh, guys, before we go, here's a look at your Thursday footy fix. We have a couple of those Europa Conference League qualifiers. Punic versus Bodo Glimt, Hearts, Rosenberg, and then we've got women's side Tigres, Toluca, Chivas, Monterrey. Thanks so much for watching, everybody. Have a fantastic day. Let's do it again. Mañana. See you then.